0: What has happened to conservatism? Today on The Curious Task, I speak with Ian Murray. Welcome to The Curious Task, where we talk about politics, philosophy, and economics from a classical liberal perspective. My guest today is Ian Murray. Ian is the Competitive Enterprise Institute's vice president of strategy and author of the book, The Socialist Temptation. As always, we like to dive in with a question and see where it takes us. So, Ian, I'm going to put the question right to you. What has happened to conservatism?
1: Well, conservatism has been the victim of one of the periodic realignments in how we uh, identify as uh, it politically. Um, for the past fifty, sixty years, possibly longer, uh, th- there has been one central aligning issue in uh, in, in politics in, in the developed world in general. And that was economics. You know, wh- wh- where do you where do you stand on economics? Are you for uh, a big state, or are you for a smaller state? Are you for government intervention? Are you for uh, f- free markets? And that's how uh, and, and that's how people decided which side of the sort of generally binary divide of politics they fell. Uh, yeah, you know, th- there are other other issues like social issues and so on. Um, yeah, you know, that, that, that 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 could complicate this, but generally uh, economics was the aligning issue what we've seen in the past decade and I think this started in Europe but it it, it spread to uh, uh, sp- spread to North America and uh, other parts of the world is that economics has ceased to be the aligning issue and instead the aligning issue is identity and this takes different uh, um, uh, it manifests differently in different parts of the world. So, for instance, in Europe, where this all started, the identity question was, are you a, uh, a, a nationalist or are you for uh, uh, pan-Europeanism, for, uh, for, for, uh, uh, for globalism, really? Uh, in, um, in America, it's taken a slightly different form. Nationalist is on one side. On the other side is sort of uh, hyper-identitarian, uh, you know, what 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 people call woke politics. So that's the the the, the, uh, the primary aligning issue these days, and that has caused problems for those of us who uh, really um, focus on things like uh, free markets and classical liberalism generally, because. Classical liberalism doesn't really say that much these days about identity. It used to, I think, in the nineteenth century, it said a lot of things about identity, but it hasn't really for for, for many years, and so classical liberals are falling on either side of this uh, of of this new divide. And at the same time, you are having uh, uh, people uh, who view uh, the. the uh, uh, free markets, freedom in general, as perhaps inimical to their identity, uh, attacking us. Uh, so sort of from both sides.
0: Before we move on, I'd love to dig in a little bit on a comment you made there about the fact that identity used to be something that classical liberalism would have had more to say about. Can you give us a brief historical lesson there?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, if if, if you look at uh, at, at the nineteenth century, uh, liberalism was actually really closely associated with nationalism. Uh, it was strongly uh, uh, strongly opposed to the idea of uh, of uh, uh, large empires. You know, the Austro-Hungarian Empire is is, is the, the, the the prime example. It was all in favour of self determination of peoples. So the Czechs and the Slovaks should have should be able to determine uh, the, the, their own future. Uh, you know, aside from you know whatever uh, the emperor in, in Vienna felt and so uh, nationalism and liberalism were actually really closely uh, as- associated in those days if you look at the uh, you know the revolutions of 1848 liberal revolutions against empires uh you know so, so so national identity used to be strongly associated with liberalism but that faded away over the 20th century i think
0: I think that's a really interesting comment because today I tend to think of something like nationalism as strong patriotism, which easily lends itself to a, uh, maybe an adventurous, expansive uh, foreign policy and maybe even could be you know, building an empire and you are proud of your nation's empire and something like that. But you're painting the picture of, an, uh, of a nationalism that is more restrained, that is, is actually anti-empire, which, of course, seems very much in line with classical liberal thinking.
1: Yes, indeed, and yeah, you know, there, there, there were there were political parties that even called themselves national liberals. Uh, you know, the the, um, uh, the the old Liberal Party in, in, in Britain split at one point between uh, the, you know the, the the Liberal Party that eventually morphed into, although you know the, the Liberal Party itself survived, but essentially the Liberal movement morphed into the Labour movement because of a split with the National Liberals, who were all in favour of. And we've heard this before: in favour of tariffs uh, to, to to help protect uh, uh, national industry. So, free markets at home, tariffs and uh, restrictive uh, trade abroad. So that was the split uh, the, between the uh, the liberals and the national liberals in in Britain in, in the, uh, the, the the right at the end of the nineteenth century.
0: You mentioned the term national liberalism in there, which makes me think this is probably a good time to talk to a term that maybe some of our listeners have heard, but maybe some are not that familiar with, which is the growing uh, talk of national conservatism. So for those who may not be familiar, can you give us a a brief description of what national conservatism as a movement is today?
1: Well, national conservatism is uh, is essentially putting that identity question, uh, putting your your national identity first first, when it comes to how you define conservatism. Uh, so so it, it, it's very much uh, based around uh, uh, traditional values and uh, uh, you know, what, what the ideal national identity uh, looks like. So you know, in America, for instance, it, um, it, it, it's manifesting mainly in this belief that somehow in the 1950s, um, America reached uh, a, 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 an, a, an apogee of, uh, of of what the American dream was, and that ever since then uh, it's it, it it's fallen you know from that golden age into this uh, terrible iron age that, that that we live in today. Uh, so um, and and they they ask a lot of them ask well what caused this uh, the, 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 this uh, decline from that wonderful golden age and it. Here's what one example of how uh, how they characterise that golden age, when a, a a working class man could support his family, buy a house on uh, do everything that 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 ideal man of the 1950s should do, uh, on one income, and then they look at what's happened to, uh, to 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 the American economy and they say, well, that's not possible anymore, and that's almost certainly. Because we've destroyed our uh, the traditional industries, uh, we've destroyed um, the, the idea of, of, of the one-income family, uh, and that's all because of free markets. Market fundamentalism is the phrase that is used uh, time and time again. Market fundamentalism, which was introduced in the 1980s, uh, destroyed this wonderful uh, lifestyle, and uh, you know we we have to restrain. Uh, free markets uh, and libertarianism in particular uh, comes in for, for a lot of the blame. Uh, we, we, we've got to expunge libertarianism from the conservative movement and put markets under control so that we can have this wonderful world of the, uh, the one income family back
0: again. You're somebody who spends a lot of time, your profession, you know, talking about free market ideas, communicating economic concepts uh, to a broader public audience. I'm interested how you would address that criticism if one of your friends came to you and said, well, I feel like they have a point. You know, my dad or my grandfather, you know, was the sole income owner in a nice middle class house, seemed to be a comfortable, comfortable lifestyle. What's your rebuttal to the idea that this market fundamentalism has ruined everything?
1: well the 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 thing is that the, the, this is uh, a, a misdiagnosis in so many areas uh that, it, that it's really hard to give just one answer but you know, uh, i mean uh, you you can start with the fact that that, that 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 1950s lifestyle uh was in many ways uh an artifact of uh, the second world war i mean, what what happened before the second world war um, america wasn't in a great great shape you know the 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 depression the new deal um the american economy was in it was in no great shakes and uh you know the 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 average family was uh was very often in in trouble then of course the rest of the world decided to destroy itself uh in uh, in uh, the rest of the developed world uh in in the second world war and america was left untouched Mm -hmm. domestically that uh, was able to, uh, able to take advantage uh, of this and become uh, you know, w- along with so, some reforms that had passed at the, uh, the, at the time that, that that reigned in the new deal a bit and uh, became this uh, economic powerhouse that uh, uh, enabled this uh wonderful uh, wonderful lifestyle uh, but you know, well before president reagan 's uh, uh, uh President Reagan's uh, election in 1980. The 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 wheel started to come off. That I mean, the 1960s weren't a great time for uh, for for, for America. Massive civil unrest, assassinations of political leaders, uh, you know, bombings in the capital, uh, the, the, uh, the the the, the uh, soon to be Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell. Uh, in 1971, wrote up a a very famous memo to the Chamber of Commerce saying that the American free enterprise system was under serious attack. Uh, So so, so even in 1970, uh, uh, the the free free enterprise was was, was under attack back then. But um, it, it took the 1980s and the Reagan revolution to get back to something approaching uh what 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 had happened meanwhile if you look at the actual lifestyle of the, that ideal uh family in the uh in, in the uh 1950s they lived in smaller houses uh they had uh only one car uh, their children weren't able to go to uh weren't able to go to college only 10 percent of children went went to college and uh the, the 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 sort of amenities they had were nothing like what we have today. And another thing, you know, just just to uh, to, to to go a little bit further on all the different causes uh, of of, uh, of of why this wasn't the ideal that uh, that people think think that it was. Look at the racism. Look at the women out of the uh, the way women weren't able to to to. Uh, uh, live an independent life. You you couldn't get a credit card unless your husband signed off on it, things like that. And so all the changes of the 70s and and, and 80s that uh, that, that broke down uh, this system actually led to a significant increase in the quality of life for a very large percentage of of the American population. And that's why thinking that this 1950s was such an ideal is, is a huge mistake.
0: I think you rightly state that there's a lot of causes, this is a complex issue, but if I were to think of sort of one thing that maybe perhaps above all others is driving that sort of mentality, the cost of housing in, uh, in our countries today. In Canada, the housing crisis seems like it is pretty much across the board. I think in the U.S., it is perhaps a bit more focused in the cities, uh, but still seems to be a, be a driving factor. I saw a meme on social media this morning uh, with a picture of the Simpsons house and talking about the fact that in 1990, this was the house of a, a high school uh, diploma holding a single income uh, earner. And of course, this is unimaginable today. Am I right, or am I missing something in thinking the cost of housing, which of course has been caused in large part to government regulations, is one of the big factors in this attitude?
1: Oh, absolutely. Although, yeah, even with that Simpsons, mean uh, the, 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 they did an episode in in the nineties which poked fun at the idea that 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 Homer Simpson, uh, as a blue collar guy, could actually afford this uh, this mansion. Uh, his his. his Homer's enemy Frank Grimes calls it. it calls it a mansion uh, on 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 that one salary. Uh, you know, so, so so even the Simpsons really knew that that was a bit of a joke. But there, there there is absolutely something to to this, and you're exactly right. It, it it's regulation, especially zoning regulation, uh, that 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 has caused this uh, the, the, uh, this. Uh, Massive problem when it comes to to, to housing. Uh, 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 Randall Randall Atul, who used to be with the Cato Institute, wrote a, a very interesting book around the time of the financial crisis that pointed out that uh, the, the 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 house price explosion of the uh, of of the two thousands was very much concentrated in areas where zoning regulation was uh, at 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 its most extreme, and in other parts of the country which. Um, didn't have this sort of zoning regulation. House prices remained steady and they didn't have the uh, the, the subprime loan crisis that uh, a, a lot of parts had. You know, so, so, yes, absolutely, housing is definitely part of this. And as per usual, it's a misdiagnosis. And as we as classical liberals know, when you dig a little uh, deeper into into a problem, you can almost certainly find some sort of government rule or law that's at the bottom of it.
0: Yeah. That takes us a little bit in terms of what it is that national conservatives believe, but I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit more uh, about who are some figures that that might represent this. Can you identify some either the politicians or or other people who would be sort of representative on the national or international stage of nat- national conservatism?
1: Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the, the biggest name in the uh, elected name on 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 this is Senator J D Vance of higher you know who who gained uh, a, a a lot of uh, a lot of press and a lot of interest and launched his his career when he wrote a, a book called Hillbilly Allergy, which was all about how uh, you know he, the 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 town lifestyle that he grew up in you know wasn't there anymore and instead it had been replaced by um uh you know meth, addicted, um, meth addiction and unemployment you know they uh, blame uh uh, blaming uh, trade and uh, f- for the destruction of traditional industries, and nothing had been able to replace them. And so he he became, you know, in many ways the uh, the 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 center uh, the centerpiece of you know of national conservatism with with its electoral strategy. You know, we see in his uh, you know what he does, what well, the the sort of things he's doing in the U.S. Senate are not the sort of things that traditional uh, you know, Republican elected senators have, have been doing. You know, one of the very first things he, he did was uh, after uh, it, it was related to his state, you know, so, so, so you know he very much had a reason to do this. But um, th- th- there was a rail accident in uh, East Palestine in in, in Ohio, um, which he where, where he blamed the railroad uh, for. for, for, for I, I, I can't remember if he used the phrase or one of his allies used the phrase for for nuking this small town in in, a, in Ohio, and so the very first thing he did was uh, after that was he proposed something called the Railway Safety Act, um, which uh, is essentially a, a, a wish list of labour union uh, of railroad labour union demands uh, for you know for, for reform of the railroad industry um, that that. None of which would have done a thing. From what we know of that accident, would have done a thing to prevent it. You know, so, 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 so you know, the, 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 one of the first things he did was uh, you know a, 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 attack a private corporation and ally with uh, with, with with labor unions uh, to do so. Not the sort of thing you normally expect for, from a Republican senator.
0: Is Donald Trump a, a national conservative?
1: I think Donald Trump is sui generis. I mean, he, he's um, uh, you know, uh, i i always say that the, 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 the donald trump was a symptom of the realignment rather than uh, a cause of it yeah you know, um that the, 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 they will look, uh you know the, these realigning conservatives were looking for a, a, a figurehead uh, that spoke to their concerns and trump had been an anti-trade guy since uh the, the 90s you know i remember when i first moved to the the, the states you know, i i i heard Donald Trump complaining about uh, how Japan was uh, 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 was uh, sucking us dry, and uh, you know, NAFTA was a, a huge mistake, and uh, just delete Japan and replace with China. And you know his his arguments have, have, haven't changed, but at, at at the time, you know, this was a fringe position, but it was the sort of thing that people were looking for. Uh, you know that with this, with this realignment you know the the old uh the, the old consensus was fraying people were looking for somebody saying something different and there was the, there was trump uniquely among those uh, all those candidates in 2015 2016 who was saying something different and that's i think what 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 what, what propelled him to the to, to the front of the pack very very quickly
0: so among the responses to this emergence of national conservatism has been a movement of people calling themselves freedom conservatives. Um, uh, there's been a letter uh, released, I believe you're one of the signatories on, on the freedom conservative letter. Can you tell us a bit about what a freedom conservative is?
1: Well, uh, fr- freedom conservatives are, are essentially the the, the, the the classical liberal wing of the conservative movement in, in the United States. You know, we we realized that uh that, that that um you know the the national conservatives are extremely well organized uh they that you know, some they do have their own intellectual differences and we can get onto that, that, that a bit if, if you'd like but um but, but but they they are extremely well organized and um they they have a consistent line of attack against uh as i say the 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 concept of market fundamentalism and we wanted to uh to to, to come back and say no hang on um the, the these are the, these market principles um <laughs> do actually have some substance to them uh we're not all uh, uh uh, complete laissez-faire uh, 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 cosmopolitan globalists, <laughs> as, 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 as the saying uh, was, uh, who, who, uh, who, who despise America. We strongly uh, 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 there's a strong tradition of, of patriotism in this uh, in, in, in this movement, and we wanted to get those principles down on paper. And th- there was an excellent example from the Chiron statement uh, from the 19, uh, 1960s. Uh, and we we agreed uh, very strongly with the, with, with the, those principles, and we felt that they needed to to, to be updated so uh, we, we put put the statement out uh, the, the national conservatives had had their own statement of principles, which uh, uh, interestingly included a, a lot of international names. We decided to restrict it purely to people who uh, live, lived and worked in, in, in our statement to, to people who lived and worked in America. Uh, so, and we very quickly, uh, uh, you know, re- reached a, a sort of uh, critical mass, and uh, there are now literally hundreds of people have signed on, uh, signed on to the statement, and uh, you know, we're uh, always looking for for, for for new people who are interested in it.
0: So you describe the Freedom Conservatives as the classical liberal wing of the conservative movement, and of course, then uh, you know, in opposition to the the National Conservative wing. Do you think that these still groups, still in some sense, represent two sides of a united or identifiable conservative movement, or is this just going to be two completely separate groups as we move forward?
1: I think that's a really good question. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the 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 thing about this uh, this this political uh, realignment is it, it is not it, it, it it's not just happened in the uh, in the Republican. Party. It's also happening in the Democrat Party as well. Uh, George Packer, the Atlantic correspondent, wrote uh, a book recently uh, called uh, "The Four Americas," and he he he, uh, he identified uh, just America, which is uh, the uh, woke people, uh, people who are demonstrating in favor of uh, uh, in favor of Palestine in uh, on campuses right now. Uh, smart America, which is the old Clinton uh, Clintonite. Uh, wing the donor class uh people who've uh, who who are you know socially liberal but have made a, v- a very good living out of being smart uh you know the, 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 uh, uh, you know the graduates uh, of, of, of the big colleges who have gone on to uh to, to, to very uh, well remunerated uh, careers uh you know, and those two we, uh, those two parties make up the uh uh the, the, you know the current Demo- democrat alliance but there are disputes between them um the you know, uh, if if Ezra klein for instance uh, complained recently uh, in the pages of the new york times about everything bagel liberalism which uh with the idea that uh, if if you have one policy one liberal policy then uh, left liberal policy then every other uh, left liberal policy you can think of must somehow must also be associated with it so uh, you know, so, so, so you can 't uh, you, you can 't build uh, affordable housing without there being uh, you know, requirements for racial quotas and things like that right. so, so, so there's the, 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 there 's uh a tension there and I, and obviously there 's this tension in the uh, uh, on the other side at the moment between the national conservatives and uh, and the freedom conservatives um, we We have a two party system in the United States and so uh at 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 some point um there's going to be uh, you know one of these groups is going to dominate uh the the the, the uh the party at which point um does uh, you know for instance if if uh, if the supply side progressives as i call them the smart americans uh realize that they can't work with the uh, with with the the, uh, the radical identitarians Do they leave the party and come over to the Republicans? In which case, you know, the the freedom conservatives have a new ally and national conservatism might lose or vice versa. You know, um, or perhaps both the classical liberal wings of of, of each party are crushed, Uh, in which case uh, there's a lot of people who are politically homeless. You know, so uh, this this realignment, you know, it's as I say, it started about a decade ago, but it's still got a way to go.
0: I'm loath to make everything about ele- American electoral politics. But however, I think this is a case where probably uh, th- those politics do have an impact. Although, you, you, you know, you point out, and I think rightly, that Donald Trump is more of a symptom than a cause of many of the things that we're seeing. So I'm curious, as uh, you know, America, I think, is in a state of permanent leading up to the next election, uh, as I'm already starting to see ads and, and talk about the 2024 U.S. election, is that going to be an important election between sort of sharpening and and breaking these alliances? How does this play out?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we, we just had an election. Uh, it wasn't national nationwide, but we had an election last night, uh, yesterday, uh, in which, uh, the, the, the democratic coalition held, uh, and the, uh, you know, I, 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 for my sins i am a, a washington commanders fan and so ev- 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 every week i watch the um, i i i watch the commanders uh, uh how could i put it perform <laughs> in 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 the uh, in, in the national football league and for the past month the, basically the only adverts that have been shown uh d- during these games were were, were um were, were political ads. And the 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 ads for the Democrats were completely the same message. No matter which candidate, there was there was one message, which is our opponent wants to wants to ban all abortion with no exceptions, and is extreme MAGA. And that was it. That was that was the only messaging they had. The, the The Republican candidates generally didn't have that much of a message, it certainly wasn't unified and, and where there was one it would, t- it would tend to be about crime uh, and uh, defunding the police letting, uh, letting bad people out of, uh, out of prison early uh, you know, it wasn't terribly convincing uh, and you know, there, there, there didn't seem to be a a, a real message behind them and so you know we, we we saw in in Virginia which had a, a lot of elections yesterday that uh, that 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 um, you know that Democrats flipped the house and retained control of the Senate so um, you know that, that that's an indication that um, that that the Democrat messaging is working and the Republican messaging isn't uh, the um, uh, I, you know, I i have a pet theory that 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 uh, uh americans uh, tend uh, americans who are swing voters will tend to tend to vote for the the, the less crazy side and in in 2021 um the the uh you know, trump had been defeated wasn't a, a terribly big factor in in the 2021 elections in virginia um, Glenn Youngkin won because he made it all about education and the woke identitarians were trying to take over the schools and were crazy. And so the swing voters voted uh, for, for, uh, for, for uh, Youngkin and, and Republicans. Since the Dobbs decision and uh, the, the uh, abortion um, uh, abortion becoming a major political issue, uh, electoral political issue, um the, the republicans have seemed more crazy uh because uh, the, the, you know to t- t- to a lot of swing voters you know so, so i think that 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 um you know, that, that, that at the moment what we're seeing is uh you know the the, the democrats ha- have a unified political message which is don't let those guys in and the republicans don't really have an answer to that at the moment uh trump of course comes with a huge personal vote so we'll see you know the polls seem to indicate that that personal vote is, is is really important at the moment uh so you know we'll see what happens next year but uh but but at the moment you know the democrats have to be just feeling feeling good about themselves because their coalition is holding
0: right I think in that first half of our conversation, we've done a good job of setting the landscape and, and where things are, how things have changed recently. It's a good spot, I think, to take our break. We'll come back in a minute and we will discuss where things are going and any potential solutions you might see for addressing these issues. You're listening to The Curious Task. My name is Matt Buffett. Today I'm speaking with Ian Murray. We'll be back in a minute. Curious Task is a podcast by the Institute for Liberal Studies. Feel free to send questions and feedback to CuriousTask at liberalstudies.ca. Special thanks to our supporters on Patreon, including Yakov Mihailovich, Peter Jaworski, and Ben Hobbs. Remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Curious Task. I'm your host, Matt Buffin, and my guest today is Ian Murray. We're talking about what has happened to conservatism. And before we move on to the future, I would actually like to just take just a little bit of time to speak about non-American examples of this sort of political realignment. So Ian, can you tell us a little bit uh, about what's happening outside the U.S. that also reflects this structural change?
1: Yeah, well, actually, the first, thing I, first time I noticed uh, you know, what, what, what was happening, it was back, uh, as I say, a decade ago, 2012, when all of a sudden there was, a, in all places, Finland, there was a, a general election and a party called the True Finns, you know, national identity first and foremost, appeared from nowhere and got 20% of the vote. Now, in a proportional representation system like uh, Finland has, that's really big. Uh, to appear from nowhere and get twenty percent of the vote, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, the parties like this started uh, started popping up all over Europe, and generally with a significant amount of success. You know, Eastern Europe, for instance, you know, the Law and Justice Party, Catholic nationalists in in, in Poland, uh, you know, basically took control of the country for many years up until uh, the, the, the the most recent election uh, this year yeah um but it wasn't just uh, you know eastern europe scandinavia uh, this was even happening in uh in, in the core countries of uh, you know like france and germany um germany the alternative for deutschland um uh, a- a- appeared and is now a major player uh and germany is you know a, a center left country and so, the idea of uh, of a nationalist party suddenly appearing from uh, from nowhere and becoming a significant factor, I think, you know, was very disturbing to a, to a lot of Germans. And in France, you know, the the the, the, the uh, what's now called the National Rally um, is a serious contender for the for the presidency. Uh, you know, so, so these uh, nationalist parties uh, are, are really making waves all over Europe. And then, of course, the, 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 there's what happened in Britain with Brexit, national identity first and foremost. But interestingly there, the, 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 um, you know, no far-right, uh, in, in the European sense, far-right party has, has appeared in Britain. This has all been a debate within the Conservative Party. You know, the, 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 there was the UK Independence Party, but uh, that, that, that once Brexit had happened, uh, its raison d'etre disappeared. And uh you know, the, britain is seeing uh a uh, you know, within the conservatives uh you know a, a debate between the managerialists as, as i like to call them uh like uh, rishi sunak and uh, and jeremy hunt and the, the the old classical liberals who were very much associated with uh, with liz Trust, you know people like uh uh, uh dan hannon uh, jacob rees uh people like that um are what i think they're the 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 best example you will get at the moment of national liberals in the in, in the old sense that that we talked about uh you know so, so so uh you know- britain because of brexit was in in many ways able to to sort of uh, stop this uh phenomenon from happening before it uh, took over uh, took over politics uh so it, it it's it's a curious result but uh uh, it, it's nevertheless, uh, you know, a, a, a very interesting
0: one. How are classical liberals that you see responding to this sort of breakdown in what was the sort of political order for much of our lives?
1: Well, I think there's, uh, there's two responses generally. One is um, uh, a, a, a sort of insistence that the old, uh, that the, the old, um, uh, old arguments will still work. Uh, you know and uh, I, you know, I i think they may be mistaken being pe- people who uh continue to 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 point out the economics of of the situation uh first and foremost you know talk about the effect on uh, on on uh, you know, on public spending talk about the effects on gdp uh you know a, a lot of defenses of trade uh free trade are still in that uh in, in that category. And as I say, because economics is no longer the aligning issue, those economic arguments have much less salience; they're much less persuasive than they used to be. So I think uh, a lot of the classical liberals who are sticking to that uh, that that that, that um, uh, you know that, that line of argument are, are unfortunately behind the times and won't persuade anybody. Yeah, you know, so, but the. Uh, uh, you know i think that there's an increasing number of us who are now realizing that you know if we're making the economic argument and we want to win over conservatives then we have to talk about the effect on on the working class uh, uh particularly um you know so, so for instance uh if you know, if 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 there is a um a, a, another of the elected um uh senators uh who uh who who is uh, national conservatism is, is a guy called jd hawley uh sorry not jd hawley uh, who, uh senator hawley from uh f- from missouri who is a uh who's who um promoting uh a bill at the moment to cap uh the amount of um uh, the amount of interest a credit card can charge uh, because he says you know his his uh, constituents are being led dry by the banks a lot of anti bank sentiment in uh in national conservatism at uh, at the moment you know so so you 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 could argue that well you know if 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 the banks are are uh, uh if 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 the banks are, uh, suffer this way then um uh, uh that that then that's going to uh, reduce national income or, you know, what what whatever you, or you could do as you know, I've been trying to do, you can point out that this will act that this cap will actually hurt the working class constituent the most. It will uh, almost certainly reduce his or her access to, to badly needed credit and um, you know the the, the fees that, that, uh, for, for uh, the bank's charge will, will will go up, and you end up with people being forced out uh, out of the banking system uh, I mean, you know we saw that happen. Uh, when with, with, with a similar uh, uh, a similar measure was introduced after the the, the, the financial crisis on, on on debit cards, you know, so, so so you can make the argument that way. Uh, you know, talk about the, what the effects would be on uh, on the very people that the uh, the National Conservatives are trying to champion, and I think that's probably a better way forward.
0: I suspect you would agree, as I think, that uh, free markets and, and economic freedom are good for the poor, for the disadvantaged in society, even if that's not always what the sort of mainstream political and economic thought is and i know people and i expect you to too would say yes this is one of the reasons why classical liberalism is an ideology that has respect for individual autonomy is is not too paternalistic Um, and it's a reason why actually classical liberals are should be properly liberal and and should be still in alliance with uh, say, modern liberals or welfare liberals along those lines is that an argument you find persuasive what's your response
1: yeah, I, 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 I think that uh, that, that, that that you know we, we have to make sure that the two halves of uh, of, of, of liberalism don't lose contact with each other. <laughs> I think that you know that, that, that there are currently a lot of areas where we can actually uh, ally uh, with, with with those uh, the, those forces, and. Provide benefits for uh, for the people that the National Conservatives uh, seek to champion at the same time. Um, so, uh, you know, a great example, for instance, is permitting reform. Uh, the, the, there's uh, a, a common thread on uh, of the you know the the the, um, uh, the, the supply side progressive left. Uh, the classical liberal right and the national conservative right which is that we can't build anything anymore in this country it it takes far too long uh to, to build things uh you can't even maintenance is really difficult so our infrastructure is is falling apart so uh, you know there is scope for for an alliance here uh to to get permitting reform done uh the, the 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 obstacle. One of the obstacles is that a lot of the spice side progressives you know, believe that permanent reform is great when it comes to things like renewable energy, but not when it comes to things like uh, you know, a new coal mine. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so there's uh, you know the, 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 there's still uh, a, a, a battle to be had there. But but in general, you know the the, the, the the there is a lot of scope for uh you know for for for, for reducing the impact. Of the National Environmental Protection Act, for instance NEPA uh, which you know, it, 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 it's what requires the environmental impact statements that take uh six seven years uh you know to, 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 to compile of many thousands of pages long that nobody ever reads uh but has the the, the simple effect of m- making a, a a project either uh completely economically unviable or just delaying it so long that the, that the costs go through the roof. You know, so there's a chance there. That, uh, that there's a chance for, for, for genuine liberal reform that, that, that uh, allies uh, both halves of the classical liberal movement and provides benefits that the national conservatives say they want. You know, they want to, you know, so it's win-win-win.
0: I think we can conceive of a, a situation in which classical liberals are sort of this, uh, you know, free agents uh, group that perhaps uh, we were not in the past. Because, you know, again, for much of our lives, there's this, been an association that classical liberals are either allied with or a wing of or a subset of conservatives. And I think there's a, an argument that you might say, well, as you know, free agents... Classical liberals could ally with people on the political right to advance freedom in some areas, could have, ally with people on the political left to advance freedom in other areas, and in that way have an outsized influence on the, the politics and public policy decisions of the day. Of course, there's also an alternative interpretation that by having no dance partner, you get left alone and, and become completely irrelevant. How would you weigh those two sort of possibilities?
1: Yeah, it, it, it really depends on how, um, you know, how open uh the 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 new partners the potential new partners are to uh aligning uh, w- uh, aligning with uh, the with the um uh with con- you know, freedom uh, freedom loving conservatives i think you know is is a way way to put it um you know, a, a lot of them uh are suspicious of anything that's coming from uh, f- from the, uh, the f- f- from somebody who used to be or historically has been uh, a- allied with with the conservatives, um, there's still a great deal of suspicion about um, corporations, despite the fact that uh, the national corporate uh, national conservatives really don't like corporations. You know, they, uh, they 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 view Disney and other 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 uh, other corporations which would previously have been regarded as uh, absolute uh, mainstays of, of of the conservative movement they view them as traitors not ju- not just enemies but as traitors because they they used to be champions of of, of that american lifestyle uh and those american ideal ideals and they aren't anymore in fact uh, they've allied with with the worst uh Worst types on, on, on the left, they, 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 they see the, completely the other side of this identitarian divide. Uh, you know, so, so national conservatives hate corporations, but there's still a lingering uh, distrust of corporations uh, on the other side as well. So that, that makes uh, reforms that would uh, make life easier for, for, for business uh, a very difficult sell.
0: Interesting you talk about corporations. One thing that I hear a lot from sort of political commentary on the right is the issue with woke corporations these days. Is that something that you think has merit, this idea that corporations have undergone some sort of fundamental change in the values they hold? What's going on there?
1: Yeah, this is a very interesting question. It was uh, um, the, the founder of CEI, Fred Smith, uh, strongly advised uh, Business leaders against doing things like uh, appointing vice presidents of environmental uh, issues, uh, of uh, you know, uh, getting involved in corporate social responsibility, that sort of thing, because it would distort the uh, uh, dist- distort the purpose of the corporation and uh, li- lead to uh, not just uh, you know uh, uh, financial problems, but to uh, you know a polarization. Of uh, of the corporation, and I think that's, in many ways that's that's what's happened. You know, the, the, uh, business leaders uh, are, uh, feel that they have to, sp- or at least until very recently, felt that they had to speak out on everything, and so you know, essentially uh, by taking a position on an issue where the com- where the country is split fifty fifty, you're essentially alienating half of your. Uh, 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 half of your, uh, your your consumer base uh, you know, at any one time, so it, it 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 doesn't make sense from a business point of view. But the internal pressures because of these uh, because of these positions that Fred advised people not to, you know, not, not not to open up, uh, the internal pressures uh, are, are, are such that the, the people that corporations have ha- have felt that they've had to do this. I think because they realize now that there is that that they have been alienating a lot of their consumer base uh quite a lot of the um uh quite a lot of the corporations are stepping back from that uh whether the damage that uh, has been has been done permanently you know like for instance bud uh bud lights uh you know sales they don't look like they're recovering uh you know so, so that um, you know so, so so they may have Done themselves permanent damage, but at the same time, um, you, we've seen a, w- a wave of regulation uh, that, that is trying to force these issues as well. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, regulation to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and environmental, social, and governance (ESG) uh, regulation, with uh, uh, a lot of which is still trying making its way through through the system. That's uh, that that that's Forces companies to take these uh, these positions, which you know, as we uh, as we've seen, can be actually quite damaging to them. You know, so, so the question is whether corporations actually wake up, smell the coffee, and start uh, start pushing back against this regulation. And I think there are signs that that may well be happening. So that, that perhaps corporations aren't the lost cause for uh, for conservatives that, that that they think they are at the moment.
0: One thing I've seen a bit of is of in response to this you know, criticism on the political right of woke corporations is these, uh, these other corporations springing up, which then cater explicitly to uh, to a more right-wing, more patriotic, uh, um, perhaps more nationalist um, sort of audience. And you see these like ads for life insurance companies with a screaming eagle and a giant American flag and Uncle Sam on it sort of thing. This worries me as a sort of symptom of polarization, um, which I think that, you know, if you get to a point where a country and, and Canada Canada is not at this degree yet, although I think we're seeing signs of it. You get to a country where things like which life insurance company you, you do business with is related to your political allegiance. That seems like it could be a really concerning thing over the long run. Do you think this is going to like shake itself out as part of this political realignment, or is it possible we're just going into a period in time where that will be the situation? Well, I
1: think with, with a lot of these... Um a lot of these companies are, are simply opportunist and uh, you know they 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 see an open market segment, they'll they'll, they'll go for it. But I don't think they've got much legs. Uh, you know, they, uh, they, I I wrote a, uh, an article a few years ago. You know, why isn't there a conservative Facebook already? Yeah, you know, when, when when conservatives were, were supposedly leaving uh, Facebook in in, in, in droves and you know the the answer is you know whenever something sets itself up as the conservative um uh, the, the, the the conservative uh, alternative to something that most people use anyway um, they, they get some initial uh initial uh subscription and then it 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 just falls apart or it gets taken over by the extremists you know for instance there is a conservative version of wikipedia called conservapedia uh, but it, uh, and and a lot of people thought that that was going to be uh, uh, you know, a, a really great source of truth and, uh, and really good information, and it's been taken over by anti vaxxers Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of problems with these uh, with, with with these politically defined uh, entities, and uh, people see that pretty quickly. So you know, you you end up with 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 just a small rump of people, uh, and and there's actually you know a similar issue on 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 the left. Yeah, you know, uh, for years, uh, 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 leftists in America wanted a left version of talk radio, and many were founded, and none ever took off. Yeah, you know, so, so you know, it's 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 not just confined to the right.
0: I'm reminded of a conversation I had several years ago with a business executive who had been quite successful and worked in a lot of different countries. So he'd grown up in Canada, had, uh, had worked around the, the world in countries that were in many ways culturally very different from Canada, like India and Thailand. But he said the place that was most difficult for him to adjust to the norms of was a, a job he had in Northern Ireland. And the reason he had such trouble there was because the things that you might talk to someone about in other countries to be apolitical, what sports team they liked, what school they went to, what neighborhood they lived in, in Northern Ireland were all subsets of asking people what their religion was, which you couldn't do. So HR had these quite strong rules about never talking about the football game because then you're going to bring out the topic of religion, which, of course, is is problematic there.
1: I I worked with, with uh, when I worked in, in the British government one of the things I did was help privatize British Rail. One of my colleagues had was a veteran of the privatization of the electricity generating industry uh which in in um uh in in mainland Britain uh had been that uh, they'd set up two uh two companies uh National Power and uh Powergen. And apparently, for, for Northern Ireland, some wag suggested that they set up uh, these on uh, sectarian lines with Catholic power and Prodgen. <laughs>
0: I like the idea that you would have all of these sort of you know, different lines leading into everyone's houses and you have to rewire the uh, the house if, uh, if ownership changed. Interesting. Exactly. We're coming up near the end of our time, but there is a one thing I want to get to before we sort of move in, in, into the wrap up, which is one of the more interesting things that I didn't know that I uh, read in some of the articles that you sent me was the idea about people getting more conservative as they age. So as a first step, can you explain a little bit how the old political alignment explained this sort of cliche that people get more conservative as they get older?
1: Yes, I mean, there seemed to be a very simple uh, explanation for this, which is that uh, you you got more fiscally conservative as soon as you started uh, earning a paycheck and you realize that uh that that, that you have to uh, you have to uh, fork over a large amount of that paycheck to the government uh every every pay period and you get more socially conservative as you have children uh and you suddenly realize that oh yeah you know, uh, all these wonderful things that I did when I uh, I uh, I was a teenager I don't want my uh, my children being <laughs> exposed to so uh you know, so, so there there seem to be a very clear uh a, a very clear uh, progression there uh, from uh, f- f- from a, uh, a pro-government intervention, socially liberal uh, person when they were younger, to uh, fiscally conservative and uh, socially conservative as as they were older. That seemed to break down ar- around the time of the financial crisis, and uh, you know uh, uh, older millennials, for instance, haven't seen quite that same political change. That uh, that 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 younger uh, that, sorry that their their older generations uh, did so you know so so there's a, a big question as to uh, as to uh, you know where's the next generation of conservatives coming from if this isn't the case.
0: One thing that I thought when I read that was the question again. I think a lot about polarization these days. Does this make polarization worse if it used to be that people at various points in their life could belong to either of the sort of two main political tribes and then might have family members who are different you know ages in life and at different uh, points that that might put a temperament on the sort of the tribal political instincts this seems like that would undermine that if if that change stopped happening what do you think of that
1: yeah i i think that's a that 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 that's a, a very real risk you know that the um you know, there the, the do seem to be indications that, that what 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 I suggested there does actually still is actually still the uh, the, the, the case in some parts of the country uh, so 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 uh, and and uh, you know the, 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 there appears to be a a growing rural urban divide and things like this uh, so if um if 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 we're left with the, with with the case where uh, it, it it's no, no no longer red states and blue states uh it's uh blue cities and red hinterlands then things become very very complicated very quickly uh you know because the 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 the, uh, the hinterlands are dependent on economic uh, uh, uh Economic input from 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 the cities, and the the cities are dependent on uh, resources from the hinterland. So, uh, if if you reach a, a stage where the, these two uh, these two parts of uh, of the country just aren't speaking to one another, uh, then you know, we we face uh, you know possibly a more serious crisis than we did when it was simply states not talking to each other.
0: There was a movement here in Canada going back a number of years for farmers would put up signs that said farmers feed cities to sort of raise awareness of certain policy issues that they thought were, were impacting. Want to remind people that even if you were in a big city, didn't know any farmers, you were, of course, in some way dependent on farmers. I always used to say it should be the case that cities and people in cities should put up signs on their lawns and said cities build tractors for farmers to remind us, of course, <laughs> these things, these things flow both ways. Ian, we've had, I think, a good conversation. Talked a little bit about uh, what's going on in conservatism in the political landscape more broadly. Uh, I've been convinced by your writing, others, our friend Steve Davies, on this that yeah, we we see people take political positions that seem odd to us, and often, if you think about it, it's because of this realignment that that we're seeing in the process shaking out. The last question I want to pose to you, to give you the last word, is: If you were speaking to someone who considers considers themselves either a classical liberal or a freedom conservative, committed to the kinds of ideas that you've talked about, what is it that you think they should do to improve the the prospects of the outlooks for that classical liberal worldview?
1: I, th- I think the the, the uh, two things: one, not to give up on freedom. Uh, it's absolutely vital and the the argument must be made for freedom on its own sake uh you know uh, especially to uh, you know to 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 conservatives freedom is america's heritage and if uh if if conservatives give up on freedom then that's uh, a, a, a serious problem uh secondly uh Always think about uh, your uh, your policies in terms of what it does uh, for the various identity groups that dominate our politics at the, at the moment. Try and make your argument uh, based on the values of those identity groups uh, rather than on especially rather than on pure economic grounds. Uh, if you talk about economics, you are going to lose the argument. If you can talk to the values of the uh, the groups you need to convince, you stand a good chance of winning.
0: Ian Murray, thanks for joining me today on The Curious Task.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: The Curious Task is a podcast from the Institute for Liberal Studies. This episode is produced by Sabine Alchidak and Eric Sege. The music you hear on the podcast is by Lindy Vopenfjord. You should check out his music online. The Curious Task exists today because of donations of time and money from those creating it, and listeners like yourself. I'm Matt Bufton. Thanks again for joining us on The Curious Task.